People are fascinating and I believe that everyone has a story to tell of their travels, hobbies, passions and experiences. I want to get those stories told so they can entertain, inspire and showcase the amazing talents of people and giving you, the listener, food for thought. My guests have taken risks, put themselves out there, created businesses or taken their passion to the next level. I feel very privileged and honoured to tell all those stories in my All About You podcast. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to another conversation on the All About You podcast. My guest today is Ricardo from the USA, and he's talking about wilderness education. Ricardo, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, Ricardo, I am really interested in this conversation because I have no idea what wilderness education is. So would you like to just give us a little bit about your background? Absolutely. I grew up in upstate New York in a very rural area with a lot of farms and mountains. And I spent a lot of time exploring those uh, environments. You know, in the 70s, we didn't really have television uh, at our house. And there was only three channels. This, you know, this is, of course, long before the the internet. So I was an avid reader. And then I spent a lot of time out in the wilderness trying to uh, learn everything I could about nature. And I, you know, I tried fishing and which, which I got pretty good at, but I really wanted to uh, live 500 years ago. That's, I was, if you think of a person sometimes who is just like a person out of time, there was a part of me that just wanted to live as if I was a native uh, person back in the day, uh, because I just loved the stories about them that I read and the adventures that they seemed to have and how in tune they were with nature. And so that kind of got me going on a, on a quest to learn how to do that. And my, uh, my training or my uh, interest led me to this man named Tom Brown, who ha- had a wilderness school in, of all places, uh, New Jersey, down in Southern New Jersey, uh, which is very wild. And I studied with him for about 10 years and learned everything about from tracking animals to uh, making fire without matches to building shelters, uh, finding natural fibers to make rope and, you know, tanning hides, do, like, doing all the things that uh, all of our ancestors did for thousands of years. And that really got me kind of on this path, so so to speak. I mean, that sounds such an incredible childhood having access to all this sort of countryside forests and learning about natural crafts, making things from wood and, as you say, from leather hides and stuff. Yeah, fascinating. So that's really how your interest was piqued when you were a young boy. Yes, absolutely. And most of the training I did with Tom Brown was was actually, it was about uh, – I'm trying to think if I was, I was about 20 years old by the time I started, you know, one of the things about learning about, I guess in, in the UK, they would call it bushcraft and they call it that also in the Northern uh, parts of the Americas and also over in Europe. So 
uh, bushcraft, you know, there's this element of where you go out and you learn like, okay, we're going to make a pair of snowshoes or we're going to make a bow and arrow or we're going to make fire. And one of the big key factors in how well you learn that is how much you practice, you know, so it's easy to learn about how to, you know, make a fire without matches in, in an afternoon, but you don't really master it um, without a lot of perseverance you know, practicing doing it every day, gathering different kinds of wood to carve it, learning how to carve it with rocks, learning how to do it with your eyes closed or in the dark. Like there's all these layers that were really uh, exciting for me to kind of dive into. And that was the piece that uh, really distinguishes people who are what I call armchair wilderness people versus people that really want to learn by doing and then actually achieve uh, a level of mastery. That was my path. I, I just loved making things and making them over and over and getting better. And what I found was that as I was doing and practicing and living these wilderness skills at different in different places, I would just have kids that would drop by, neighborhood kids who would just show up and go, hey, what are you making? And I'll say, I'm making a wilderness shelter. And they'd say, can we help? And then next thing you know, we're building this thing and and they're learning how to do it. And then the next time I'm out there, somebody else shows up and I'm, uh, you know, they're sitting by the fire and I said, oh, I'm cooking something. Do you want to have some? Can You know, you can cook with me. And this is the technique I'm using. What was interesting was like the effect that those children had when they when they started to learn something that they had never known before. And it was a, it was like a path of discovery for them. And when they started to achieve a little bit of mastery, um, there was a, just a profound change in how they felt about themselves and how they stood and how, you know, this kind of like light that kind of, you know, popped out of their eyes a little bit. And parents would come up and say, Hey, uh, my kid's been hanging out in the woods with you. Uh, you know, and talks all endlessly about all the stuff they're doing with you. Um, what are you doing? Because my kid just is loving it and is so happy. And, you know, and I, I was 23 or something, 22. I didn't really know what was happening. I mean, I was just doing my thing and then hanging out with the kids. But what I realized very quickly was that there was something really profound that was occurring when you know, young people start to uh, practice some of these skills that are really natural for us. And I started working at summer camps, you know, camp directors would call me and say, hey, you want to work at my summer camp? And I would say, sure, okay. You know, and I guess it was better than mowing lawns and doing construction. And so uh, before I knew it, I was just getting in front of a lot of children in different ways, uh, either for short one hour sessions or for a whole week. I just kind of figured it out as I went and realized that this was something that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed not only the doing of these things, but also seeing the effect, this like transformative and what I even call like a protective effect or a benefit that you get when you are connected to nature and you feel like you can take care of yourself and you feel like you understand what it takes to master something and parents would just tell me my kids went from a d student in two years went from a d student to an a student 
They are getting better grades. They're like they're going out for the school play. They were really shy two years ago. And they would just swear to me that it was from the work I was doing with them uh, for just a few weeks in the summer or, you know, little uh, workshops and so forth. What is it you think the children themselves were getting out of that? Because obviously you were then teaching them sort of basic skills to do with the land and the natural environment. But what do you think those children, what do you think was going through their brains and their minds when they were learning these skills and activities? Well, that's a really good question. It's very different for every child, but it seemed to kind of go into, you know, three three main areas. So there was young people who loved just making things and doing things and just being out there and feeling, just feeling happy, you know, oh, there's a thunderstorm coming and it's exciting or gathering wild berries and making making something by the fire. Like they just really enjoyed that. There was also, there's always like a, a group of people in a program where they're kind of doing it because they want to, it's a little bit of an ego thing where they want to feel, oh, I can make a fire without matches. What can you do? Like there's a little bit of that one-upmanship, you know, uh, I'm a little bit better than you, blah, 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 which, you know, is a natural thing as well. You know, what was fun was there were some children that would come, especially teenagers. I remember asking some of these girls that had shown up at, to one of my camps uh, a few years ago, and I had asked them, hey, yo, so what do you, what made you come to the camp? And they, And she said, oh, my friend is coming. And she said that there's like really, really nice counselors here and and really nice, cute guys that are campers here. And so. She said that's what all it took. She wasn't there for the food or for wilderness skills or anything. She just wanted to be around good people and that, you know, a lot of her friends had formed really good friendships and, you know, to some degree relationships as well, uh, when, which I think is a fair thing as well, because sometimes where you live, you don't really have people around you that really match your interests or feel like they're going to help take you to the next level as opposed to you know, wherever you're at. So I'm sure there's a lot more uh, that that was going on. But uh, and and some children will come to our program and and really not engage that much the first year. They'll just kind of observe. They don't really want to risk anything. They kind of will do the bare minimum and they're still enjoying themselves, but they're very cautious. And then the second year they come, it's like they go, Oh man, I, I got to do everything and I got to do it even faster because I got to make up for all the things I missed last time. And they, cause they went home and they went, what was I thinking? Uh, why did I hold myself back? Uh, this was the best thing I ever did all summer. And so it's really interesting to see, especially if you can get children to come back, then you get a different experience. It's interesting you talking about particularly sort of teenage children because puberty is a terrible time, isn't it? You know, we've all gone through it and it's it's just awful. But being out there with people learning things, you know, even if they're not a particularly good communicator, they may be a bit shy, but it's all sort of 
watching, learning and having a go. And yeah. everyone's going to be different. I guess some people will take to it like a duck to water. Other people just really struggle with it. But it's making things and creating things with our hands. And, you know, whether that's painting, drawing, sewing, anything like that is very soothing, isn't it, to, to the soul? We tend to sort of slow down. It slows your breathing down. So I can certainly see for a group of young people going away and doing these manual activities sort of out in the fresh air, out in the environment. I, I can certainly see why there was no shortage of, of people to, to, to try these activities. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And what, what you bring up that idea of, you know, working with your hands, you know, one thing I realized was that when children would come to our program, they oftentimes their fingers are very soft and they don't have any calluses. They haven't been doing a lot with their hands, you know, physically. So their hands are not that strong and the skin is is uh, is very tender. And so we realize like, oh, we have to kind of give them things they can do to build up their hand strength without overdoing it. Because if you overdo it, you get blisters, your fingers start to cramp and so forth. So we had to be very strategic in giving them a good experience because nobody wants a, a big blister or, you know, where their fingers ache or anything. And so we, we kind of would look at what I call the skills behind the skills. So for example, if you're going to do sewing and you're going to be threading a needle and you're going to be tying a knot and you're going to having to pay attention to what's going on. It's helpful to work with clay and try folding clay, you know, making it flat and folding it together and pinching it and then or working with grass or weaving with willow or something so that they they start to get an idea of how things are working and they get their fingers involved. And by the time they have come back for a few years, their finger, their manual dexterity, and then, like you said, the soothing aspect of it's really important as well because they are learning, you know, giving themselves time to, you know, which we have done as human beings for a hundred thousand years. You know, we sat around the fire, we worked on a couple crafts. I mean, everything, if you go back 500 years, everything you wore, everything you cooked with, everything you you did anything with was made by someone that you probably knew, you know, it's a world made by hand. And so you were always making things, sewing things, fixing things. Today's world, you, if your shoe gets a little tear in it or your pants, you just throw them away and you go to the store and you buy another pair. You don't ever see who makes them, you know, make, they're coming from China or Vietnam or someplace. And you, you, there's no real understanding of, oh, in order to make these shoes, someone had to get rubber from a sap from a tree and then form it into something. And then, you know, like just getting involved in that whole process, it's a real wake up call for the, the students because they get to sort of see like, oh, okay, if I want to learn how to make a leather pouch, I've got to learn how to sew a pouch first. And then... I've got to learn, oh, I've got to make a pouch before I can make moccasins or a jacket or something like that. So you're you're kind of helping them awaken step by step. And it's 
it's it's something that's really fascinating. I mean, most of these children are not they're not home right now wearing clothes that they made themselves. Uh, but but there's something about learning that process and seeing that, um, especially like you said during the time when in puberty because their their brain their brains are growing at a massive rate and they're rewiring everything. It's a really powerful time, and so having that time to self soothe is it makes all the difference for those children to be able to relax and then be able to really connect with each other. I mean, so much of puberty for me as a teen was like, oh, does so-and-so like me? And do I like so-and-so? And am I still going to be friends with these gr this group? And I, it was a very interactive, everything was just magnified. It was like the end of the world if three of your friends decided they didn't like you anymore. And it was just kind of insane and crazy, but like in a wilderness camp sort of setting, you're you're all sitting around the fire and you're all relaxed and you can just not get engaged in a lot of that drama. And, you know, for a lot of the students, they really look forward to that every summer. And it was a wild, it's a wild experience to think about what their lives are like when they're not at the camp. So, yeah. I should imagine for a lot of children, though, coming to a wilderness camp is just so different from their day-to-day -day environment. Maybe they come from a city, their life is all about technology, and then all of a sudden they're taken away from that and they go on a wilderness camp and they're out in the fresh air and making stuff and doing stuff, you know, literally all day long. I mean, the change in some of those students must be incredible. They must probably just grow up in front of your eyes, I should imagine, just be being in a different environment. Yeah, it's it's really amazing when you're when you get fed by those activities. And we don't just make things too. Like we there's a lot of experiences where we will, you know, we'll go out early in the morning and build a little fire on the top of a hill and wait for the sun to come up and just see the sunrise and see the sun kind of like come over the hill and, and shine underneath the clouds and have this beautiful morning sky and everyone's cold and damp and we're sitting around the fire and we're just seeing this moment uh, or we're walking in the woods at night or we're doing something. We're, we're just kind of pushing the edge a little bit of their comfort zone and kind of encouraging them to have a new experience. And for me, a lot of my focus is not so much trying to teach them a lot of intellectual concepts, but give them just enough to keep them excited. And then the, re the real thing is for our program to give their body something to wake up from. So it's sort of like when you go swimming in cold water or if you go out and it's really hot and you feel that heat burning on your shoulders and you know there's a sensory thing so we want them to kind of be in their body we don't want them to just be in their head so we'll go out and we'll look for animal tracks in the sand and then i'll we'll get on our hands and knees and we'll feel the ground on our stomach and we'll look around and say what do you see what do you see and so they're they're looking at the tracks thinking that that's the most important thing and and it is and it's fun but i'm more concerned with whether they they're getting on the ground they're laying on the ground and they're looking 
and they're, you know, feeling what that feels like or, you know, climbing a tree or <laughs> gathering firewood, like their, their bodies are getting awakened because that's what we were meant to do. Or we're designed to gather firewood, gather berries, catch a fish, make a clay pot so we can cook or like we're we're just designed that way. We're not really designed to, you know, use our thumbs and texting all day and be hunched over a, a laptop or watching endless streaming movies or shows. I mean, probably in 10,000 years, we might look very different. But for the children that are born today, we are all, you know, descended from people who lived close to nature. So when we get that that experience it's really really important to our nervous system and to our development for creativity and leadership and good mental health good physical health when we don't get that it's it's really a recipe for struggle it's a recipe for a lot of fear a lot of anxiety depression you know all all things that we're seeing that is are rising you know, throughout the developed world. So uh, this is a real weird experiment we're, we're in right now. We've never, as a human species, been this disconnected from nature as we are right now. Uh, it's never happened in the history of, of, the, of the species that we have sat in houses on our devices and not engaged on with the natural world. And and we're seeing the results of that mental health and physical health, the, the de deterioration of that a little bit. I mean, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of factors. So I'm not saying, oh, if we just went outside, then, you know, we'll never feel depressed. That's not true. But but in general, there are things that are really important. And so, yeah, that's kind of my message these days is just to say, hey, if you're if you're not. If you're not getting outside, whether you're a child or a parent or an adult, you're you're missing out on a tremendous amount of benefits. And and it doesn't have to be you don't have to go, you know, you don't have to fly to Scotland and, you know, hike in the in the moors or what like you wouldn't have to go really far away. You can just literally just get outside, spend spend an hour and making things just like, you know, cooking is great, sewing. We just feel better when we're doing things, especially if we're doing it in a group with our friends, you know, doing, you know, it's, it's really, it's really fun to knit, but it's also fun to knit with five other people. It's Gardner. really interesting, Ricardo, you know, when I was thinking when you were talking about you take the, the children out there and, you know, they're crawling along the ground looking at animal tracks. A lot of us are very, very lucky to live in, in the conditions we do in the Western world. But we yeah. are very much, we have air conditioning. It's all about making sure you're washing your hands 10 million times a day. Antibacterial sprays. Make sure all your food is is washed and da-da-da. So sure. we sort of live in this sort of quite artificial, sterilized environment. So for the fact that these students are going out, crawling along the ground and swimming in the rivers and all the rest of it, it's just so different. And we are hearing a lot at the moment about self-care, mindfulness, depression. And right. they're all saying, make sure you get every day, go out and spend some time 
you know, in a park or near some water or at least out in the fresh air for a period of each day. Because, as you said, we're in front of computers, we're in front of TVs, we've got all these amazing time and labour saving appliances. It all takes a toll on our body, as you say. We are not meant to be sitting in front of a computer all day, scrolling with our with our thumbs, etc. So I, I can absolutely see why how you are almost taking us all back full circle. Yeah, it's it's just giving them a taste of how life could be different, and it's giving, especially giving their body a taste. I, it's not to me. It's not so important for them to intellectually think oh, what did people do 500 years ago, as much as it is for me to say, hey, let's go let's go out and we're going to gather some sticks to make, uh, I don't know, walking sticks or digging sticks or stuff for a fire. And just having them, you know, grab a stick and feel the bark on it and just have those sensations. And sometimes you grab a stick and there's a salamander near it and you get to watch that and see another living being living its good life, you know, right there in the forest and just go, wow, look at that. That's beautiful. And, and, and one of the things that happens when we're in nature, especially when we're in nature, kind of interacting with it is that when you feel like you're part of nature, every, everywhere you look, there are something beautiful that you can see. Uh, you know, you can see life, you can see beautiful forms, whether it's stones or trees or grass or something, uh, even just the clouds in the sky, like all of those things are consistently changing and they're beautiful. And it's hard to stay focused on yourself when you're out there in the way that you do when you're like in an apartment or at your parents' house and you're just feeling all the stress, you know, whether you're a child or if you're as an adult, you don't really necessarily see the beauty of the world and see yourself reflected in that and and get that sense of awe or wonder. And I, I know people people do have like a lot of pets, which is pets of the number of pets and how we interact with pets has really changed dramatically in the last you know 20 years. So I know that people are really uh, craving that connection to animals and, you know, and nature. And I mean, just, you know, just looking at a dog or a cat, they're, they're just beautiful. They're beautiful creatures. Their, their eyes are different. They're, you know, they're smelling things that we can't smell. And so when you were, when we have these interactions with, uh, with nature and the natural world, it's, it's just so, so important because we're, we're getting out of our, out of our heads it, we don't have to necessarily feel good about ourselves or bad about ourselves we just we just are we just are part of nature you know like i don't know i i, I it's hard to talk about without going going really deep in it in, in a way but uh, that's something that i feel is really profound and it's hard to study you know it's hard to say oh how much awe did you feel yesterday when you went for a walk and you know the dog went to the bathroom like you might not feel that much, but it, but it's about repetition and just being out there and not being kind of isolated and locked away in our little cubicles or whatever. But it's very true what you say, isn't it? 
getting out in your local park or any sort of green area and just taking the time to look around you, whether you're looking at the sky, the tree, there's some plants or flowers, and just really take the time, just look at the textures, the colours, the reflection of light. Just even thinking about that, you know, you just feel yourself relaxing and taking a bit of more of a breath in appreciating the beauty that Mother Nature has created. And I have to say, I love the fact that Mother Nature is a woman. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you, you, what's interesting, too, that I've noticed, and this is true especially for uh, a lot of adults, I've always, I was always surprised when I would, you know, take a group of adults and we'd be doing a class and how profound it was when I would just share with them, okay, here's five trees this is what these five trees are in the landscape. And the vast majority of adults, they can't name those five trees. I mean, most of the time they know what a pine tree is and they know what an oak tree is a little bit by the leaf. And in some places in the United States, there's maple leaves, which are a very common tree. But they, they didn't really know, that, like they, they were ha they'd have a hard time, you know, distinguishing uh, the trees you know, kind of surrounded by the forest, like, oh, they all look the same. And so when I would show them, you know, oh, now notice the bark on this tree is different than this one. And look at the shape of the leaf and look at how it grows and how the branches come out at different angles. And when you do that, when you introduce someone to those really, you know, different features, you start to look at the forest differently. So when you're going for a walk, you're not just walking and going, all right, let's go, go, go. And you're thinking about your life in your head. <clears throat> but when you're actually interacting with the with nature, it's always interesting because you can look out and go, oh, that's a cherry tree that's hidden in the, in the tree line. Oh, look over there. There's a beautiful uh, beech tree. I always call beech trees the uh, Winnie the Pooh tree because Winnie the Pooh had those big four, you know, that was the trees that they were living in, in that forest. And, you know, you start to notice those things and then your, your curiosity goes out to them. And it's a lot like meeting people. I know some children will say, I don't like going and meeting people. When there's a lot of people, I get really anxious. I don't like doing that. And there's all these people and I'm worried I'm not going to remember their name and I'm going to be all worried. And, when I start teaching about trees, I go, look, you know, all you need to know is these four trees or three or whatever. I'm just going to show you these four trees and we're going to get to know them really well. What questions do we want to know about these trees? You know, how would we recognize them again? How can we pay attention to the little quirks that make them different from each other? You know, if you, if you do that when you're 10 years old and then you do that when you're 12 years old and then you do that, you know, so you do it with trees, you do it with birds. You do it with animal tracks. You do it with plants and wildflowers. Uh, the more you do that, the easier it is to start, you know, interacting with people because you can still apply the same um, skill, you know, the same awareness, the same questions and curiosity. And so it becomes a different experience for uh, students, you know, and children and adults to actually just slow down and then, you know, ask people those really interesting questions. 
in fact, I think this podcast is actually, when I listen to some of your episodes, you do a wonderful job of having that open mind and being curious and asking questions. Like, it's a wonderful example of exactly what I'm, you know, what I've been doing for 35 years with kids is trying to help them, help people to just be willing to explore new ideas and new thoughts and new, you know, new beings out in the world that are interesting and fascinating. That is absolutely fascinating, isn't it? As you were saying, building up their confidence and learning about three or four trees. And then as time goes on, that will give them the confidence in sort of social situations. Because this is one thing, though, Ricardo, isn't it? A lot of children now are getting quite isolated, I guess is the word. I mean, a lot of them are playing computer games, playing against the game or playing against somebody else they're not actually with. So it it can be quite a bit of an insular world. So when they are then thrust in front of a group of new people, I can certainly see how that can be quite scary. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And I have noticed that a lot of uh, students in the last, you know, five or six years have shown up and it's been very difficult for them to relax, you know, talk about things that are more meaningful than just video games or, um, you know, kind of having little emotional outbursts in order to see who, who is what people are going to do. It's a really, it's a big challenge. So there's a lot of activities that we do to try to help soothe that discomfort, that emotional discomfort that they have. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how teachers today in a classroom can can sit with the, you know, all the children they have in a class and manage that. It's It must be really a, tr- a tremendous challenge. So um, I'm, I'm really urging teachers and parents to just say, hey, use nature. You know, there's nothing better than, you know, get them out to a park. The earlier you can start taking your children outside all the time and get them used to being out all the time, even if it's not your favorite thing, just start doing it because you're going to see it's going to make your life so much easier if they can self-soothe later on. They're going to be able to take care of themselves a lot better. They're going to have a better foundation. And instead of having to have therapy visits and all these other things that you're dealing with when they're 14 or 16 or 17, you'll have kids that are better adjusted, doing well, and you'll be able to really just see them thrive, which is what we really want. So, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? It's how something as simple as nature or an outdoor environment, whether that's park, by the beach, with trees, flowers, how that can really help our mental health. And I Mm. think, you know, coming out of the pandemic, we're all aware more than ever now how important good mental health is. And to make sure we get out and have some fresh air hopefully a little bit of sunshine every day. I mean, I know in the UK now, a lot of people are taking vitamin D because of lack of sunlight. And it's 
certainly been getting worse and you know a lot of people suffer from seasonal affective disorder so they're having medication for that because we tend to spend a lot of more time at home now and mm. it's getting out get out into that fresh air try and even if you get out for 10 minutes at lunchtime get out into that fresh air and just try right. and experience a bit of you know mother nature and an outdoor environment absolutely is it is it's just so important for our overall health yeah that's true i always uh, encourage parents and families and you know grandparents everyone to create situations for our children and ourselves that can build community so for example uh, one thing I always ask, tell them is if you can find someone who has a nice backyard where you could have a little fire circle, you know, they have portable campfires now, so you don't have to actually dig in the ground. But if you can have a little portable fire and have a couple of stumps or logs that you can sit on and chop some things, you know, fire becomes a really nice central point. So it's everyone gets to sit around it. And just sitting around a fire, you're going to pay attention to the wind, which way is the wind blowing, because that's going to blow the smoke in your face. So you have to kind of pay attention to and move your seat. And then from there, you can cook something and, you know, you start to engage in different elements or maybe, you know, maybe you can make something with branches or whatever it is. And, and the idea here is that you're just providing a rich environment for which some things can happen and then, you know, inviting some other children or inviting other neighbors. Uh, you know, I, I have some friends that are adults and they just have a campfire every every week and they say, come on out, bring something to cook. You know, they do it in the summer and in the winter. And they just say, doesn't matter if it's snowing, come on out. We don't have to stay out there all day or all the whole time, but we could just be out for a few hours. They get an experience of just building community in their area so that, you know, you feel connected and your world, it changes your world a little bit when you actually sit with a bunch of people and you realize, oh, they're having the same types of problems I'm having, or they're having completely different problems than I have. Wow, that's really interesting. Maybe they're not having a problem. Maybe they're doing something great. And you're like, oh boy, I'm really glad to know about that. That helps me. Uh, I don't know. A, a lot of times people are afraid to hang out with other people because they're like, well, I don't know if I'd like that person. I don't know if I feel connected to that person. So I don't know if I want to hang out. And I think like, you know, you, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't really, I mean, obviously you don't want to have somebody that's a, you know, a criminal or something. It's a bad element that you're choosing to like not be around. I'm not saying that, but the idea is that sometimes you just have to pick and get who, you know, if you were uh, living 500 years ago, you didn't get to pick everybody that you hung out with around the fire. Some people were a little crazy and some people were really fun and, and you just get who you get, but you can still learn and have uh, a really awesome experience by just having exposure to that culture. Because, you know, there were no tribes of people uh, with just one person. It's all, it's always been in a community of people. It's just really really important to us, uh, you know, as human beings to just do any activities that we can, you know, even if it's like creating a little garden and saying, hey, I'm going to invite three neighbors, we're going to garden together, 
We're going to split up the food. We're going to have fun. We're going to plant different things. And now you have a reason to get together with those people. It doesn't even matter whether your your food grows really well or if it doesn't, or but all of it is the experience. And if we are doing that, and then our grandchildren are around and they see us doing that, then they're thinking, oh, this is okay. Well, let's do it. Can I learn your secret recipe for pasta? <laughs> people can just share things. I don't know. It's just kind of exciting to give people the opportunity for those experiences. I think the thing that has come across my mind when you've been talking, Ricardo, is we're living in the situation now where we have got entertainment 24-7 at the touch of our fingers. It's so easy to get sucked into that. But the fact that if we just go for a walk in our local park, even if you go on your own, you're away from technology getting out in the fresh air, appreciating what's around you. Who knows? Take somebody with you. You might bump into somebody you know. But it's getting away from that technology, getting out into the fresh air. And you just never know. And I love the idea about getting together and gardening or just sort of sitting around, you know, a little campfire or barbecue, that type of thing. Yeah, and just see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a great idea because this 24-7 technology, it's definitely affecting us all. You know, just to scroll when, you know, instead of looking out of the window when you're on the train, you're scrolling. And it's making the effort to stop doing that. Okay, I'm sitting on the train. Let's just see what's what's going on. Who's around me? What's outside the window? What can I see? Yeah, it, it's really about asking questions and, you know, being curious. I think that's one of the pieces that I, I think that's a really good element for me. When I go in the woods, when I go out in nature, uh, park or anywhere, even in a city, I'm always asking myself a question. I, you know, I was trained by people who are professional wilderness, you know, awareness instructors. You know, they would just always ask like, oh, why is that car parked partway out of the driveway? Why is that car in the garage, but the hood is up? Are they working on it? Is it old? Does it even work? When was the last time it was driven? I'll be in the forest and I'll see a tree with a branch and I'll think, oh, was that branch broken because of a you know heavy snow? Was it fallen because um, it was just a disease or was there a woodpecker or something that made a hole in it and that's what happened? Or was it something else? So I'm constantly asking those questions, and I, I do it so naturally now. It's just part of who I am. I don't even know how to separate. But then I'll walk with someone, and I notice at the end of the walk, they won't have re- seen any of what I saw. They were not curious about any. Did not see it. It was. It literally is like it didn't exist. You know, to some degree, <laughs> it's can be really annoying because. You don't want to be, you know, I want to be able to pay attention to the person I'm with as opposed to seeing a woodpecker. It's not necessarily the most important thing. But the idea is that at least we have a chance to um, ask those questions. What is it that I'm missing? Is there something, you know, it, what questions should I be asking right now? And it, it, it does help in relationships as well if you can learn to have an open mind and then also 
try to say, hey, what's going on with you right now? How are you doing? And I don't know. It's a, it's just an, a different way of, of uh, experiencing the world. And I think uh, to me, I find when we give children the the chance to be engaged with the with the whole world, not just the natural world, in a way that's you know full of wonder and curiosity and and uh, interest, it's just a different experience. I, you don't. It's harder to be a victim. And to walk around and think, oh, I didn't have this, and what? Why don't I have that? And the world would be better if it was more like this, and kind of complain or, well, I'd like it to be better, but I guess I'll just have to wait until someone else makes it better. And it's it's so much more fun to just say, okay, well, what's one thing I could do to make my world better right now? Maybe it's moving my furniture in my house or making a different, you know, looking at it for a different recipe and making a different meal than what I've made in the last three months. I don't know. It just does something to your mood. It, you know, and if you're excited and curious, then it affects the people around you. And the bigger your circle is, the more it will affect the more people. And I don't know, I, I feel like there's a a trend that in order to change the direction of where our culture or our species is going, we need these kind of counter waves. And, and it really does start with each individual, you know, whether it's a child, teenager, an adult, parent, whoever. Uh, it starts with us just refusing to live in a world where we're going to isolate and think that the world's boring and that nothing, there's nothing really new and all of that, because that's just a story that we make up. It's not really true. So we need to get out there. We need to ask questions of our environment and appreciate everything around us. So, Ricardo, where can people find out more about you and your work? Well, the probably the best place to find me is uh, I have a website currently called theforesteducator.com. And that's my primary uh, website. You can find out more about my own stories. I've got interviews that I've done with lots of people and as well as, uh, you know, some of my work teaching people how to do this with children. But you can also look me up on Facebook. You can look, you know, you'll find links there that will take you to my social media accounts. And most of those are pretty fairly public. So anybody can kind of jump on there and find what I'm doing. I'm on Instagram and I'd love to have anyone reach out if you reach out and tell me you heard me here I'd be happy to answer a question or you know support you in any way I can oh that's perfect so I'll make sure we've got all those links to everything you've mentioned with the podcast Ricardo thank you so much for this conversation it's been absolutely fascinating so the next time I'm out in nature I'm really gonna look around me and see and appreciate what is out there it's it's been a fascinating conversation thanks ricardo thank you it's great i hope you enjoyed the conversation please subscribe on whatever platform you are using it is free and if you would like to tell your story please contact me on all about you podcast at yahoo.com and let's tell your story <laughs>